in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. As we get being prepared for the wonderful Feast of Nativity, we would like to uh, contemplate on certain topic just relates. It's always uh, important to understand that what we practice in the church um, relates us to Genesis. Genesis is not just the beginning chapters of the Bible, but Genesis is the foundation or the reference to which we compare our salvation. And it is identical because the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ as the plan of salvation is restoring, restoring what we enjoyed in Genesis. Chapters 1 and 2 in Genesis have very, very nice hidden things in them. I wanted to focus on the work of the Holy Spirit um, because we focus very much on the work of Christ um, as the hypostasis of the Son in the Holy Trinity, as he took flesh in order to renew the human nature, because he is the creator of the human nature with the Holy Trinity, or the Holy Trinity all uh, created us in, uh, in, the, in the, our image our, and our likeness. And inspired by the message of Archangel Gabriel to St. Mary, that the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you, and the one born from you will be called the Son of God. And we pray in the creed also, and in the liturgy, incarnate of the Holy Spirit and of Virgin Mary. The work of theology and the work of salvation are intertwined with love. So, the topics of theology or understanding the faith will make us love God more because we practice something we enjoy because we understand it. And the more we link bridges between the New Testament and the Old Testament, the more we are working with the plan of God because God did not put this, the Bible as a collection of verses together to be morally good. But the Bible has one theme, one faith, one Lord, one baptism. In other series of talks, I understand what is the role of baptism and, and chrismation and the communion. But I, this is um, another topic I wanted today to understand logically and from Genesis. Um, the verse that Archangel Gabriel told St. Mary. And as I said, this is the way we enjoy the Bible more because the Old Testament and the New Testament are intertwined. One is preparation for the other. Genesis 1 and 2, though, is before the singularity of the fall, is before this problem of the fall. So if we can see that we're living the church, we are living the church in Genesis 1 and 2, then we can convince anybody, convince ourselves, convince our youth that what we practice in the church is not rituals that the Coptic Orthodox Church chose or the Catholic Church chose, but rather it is the Bible. And if it is in the creation, then we're practicing what the Lord has already instituted. So in fact, you can see the church in, <clears throat> in Genesis 1 and 2. Let's see how. So... The account of the creation, um, the, the presence of the creation account in Genesis 1 serves two reasons. I thought the most important reason is to give credibility to the Bible as the only book 
that bothered to stick its neck out and say, I know how the world was formed. And one of the most credible things about the book of the Bible compared to any other faith is that it's the only book that explained how we came into existence. And before us coming into existence, how the whole, the earth, because it's the focus, and I'll explain now why it's the focus, came into existence. No other, no other, I'm going to call it, give it the honor of being called the faith, came anywhere close. So there are certain things in the creation, I will not focus on it, it's the, the topic of, of being in a, in a in publication working on. Um, there are so many nice things in the creation that's related to the sequence of the creation, but I wanted to talk about the role of the Holy Spirit tonight. In the, in the very first verse, in the beginning God made heaven and earth. The earth was invisible and unfinished. This is the Septuagint translation. And darkness was over the deep. The deep is water that covered the earth. So after the Big Bang happened, by the command of God, by the preparation of the laws of physics that would make it lead to, to it happening, because there are certain scientific theories about this. But by the permission of God and the instantaneous decision of God, the world came into existence. And then we zoom in on this earth. So the earth is covered with water. I want to take you through this step by step. The earth is covered with water, and that's what's called the deep. So when the earth is covered it's on, with water and completely engulfing it, that water has a special attribute, which is in, in, in verse 2. So the second verse, in the beginning, Olehim made the plurality of God, which is the word used in Genesis 1.1 in the Hebrew version, and made heaven and earth. The earth was invisible and unfinished, completely nothing in it that's functional. Darkness was hovering over the deep. It was completely pitch black. Before the light came into existence, there is this verse that says the Spirit of God, that is definitely the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is the Holy Spirit. Second Corinthians chapter 3, it says the Spirit is the Lord. So this is more addition to that, to explaining that the Holy Spirit is God. Very, very clear verse in Second Corinthians 3. The Spirit is the Lord. And others was hovering over the face of the water. What do we see here? We see interaction between the Holy Spirit and the material. Think of the sacraments. The Holy Spirit interacts with the material. So it's not alien or it's not strange that we have Holy Spirit working on the water in baptism. Holy Spirit is given by oil. Holy Spirit is working on bread and wine. Because the very second verse in Genesis, the Holy Spirit is interacting. If you read the fathers, what, is, what are they talking about, about uh, hovering? You'll find them imbuing it with life, giving it the power to bring forth life. Amazing words that the author of life gives is interacting with the water. Why is this important? The second reason why the creation is mentioned, and this <clears throat> dawned on me because of a verse in chapter 2. Said, so, oh, this is now makes perfect sense. I'll, I'll. Here is the sequence. So the water is covering the earth, and then God said, "Let there be light." So the image 
as the water, the, the earth, the water, and then the light, not the sun. <clears throat> the creation of light is not the creation of the sun. There's a very certain point where the sun will come into existence. Could be with the collection of this light. That, was, that is not going to be the focus tonight. I don't want to focus on the scientific or the, or the, the angle of it. I want to focus on the, um, on the work of the Holy Spirit in the creation. So, day two, light. Let's say this is the light. I have a, a sphere of the earth covered with the deep. As this light gives energy to that water and there is infinite volume around it or volume for the water to expand, day two happens. I'm going to get to <clears throat> what is happening here in order to get to the, you'll see sequentially. Just bear with me. So in day two, <clears throat> after the day one the light was created, let there be a firmament in the midst of the water that was the element that the Holy Spirit was imbuing with life and let it divide the water from the water. So the firmament will divide water from water. So again, this is the light, this is the earth, this is the water. This light getting that water that's close to it to become more diffused. And what's happening on the earth? What do you study in school that's related to the continents? There's something happened to the continents. The way the continents look today was not the way, or science says they looked differently before. How were the continents looking today? What, what, what were they looking before? Geo, exactly. How do you pronounce Pangea or Pangea? Panagea. What is Panagea? What is Panagea? This continent started with time to separate. And in the meantime, as they are separating, so the water that's on the earth is starting to be filling the gaps where it's separating. So the water around this earth is decreasing. The light is giving this water more energy. It diffuses more into, into gas or water va vapor. Then the, this firmament appears in the middle. So the Lord said, let there be a firmament that separates the water from the earth is still under the water. But as millions of years go on, this is happening. I'm going to relate the Holy Spirit to this. Remember, this Holy Spirit was completely imbuing this water with power, power of creation, power of bringing forth life. But it says very clearly in Genesis 1-2, the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the water. Day 3, <clears throat> God did not create the land. Day 3 says, then God said, let the water under the heaven be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear. So, Panagea, as it's taking its shape, the water around the sphere is getting smaller and smaller and smaller because the oceans and the sea starting to appear because of the separation of the continents. It starts filling these troughs and now land appears. So where did the water go? The water was absorbed by, by the what? By the land. Why is that important? Why, and this is, by the way, in my opinion, the main reason that the account of the creation, besides the order of it, how it matches, this is, Moses cannot look around and just says, oh, this is what happened. It's impossible, especially when you relate what happens into the other days, but I'm not going to focus on this. Why am I stressing that the water completely was sucked into the ground? 
because the water didn't disappear. The water was absorbed in the ground. It's now water in the sea, and land is appearing, but land, that land absorbed what? Absorbed the water. Why is this important? That's how we get worlds. Hmm? Underground water wells. You know, that is actually in chapter 2. Okay. I didn't think somebody would pick up on it, but great. Do you want to come here and continue? No. <laughs> <laughs> Where did every creation come from? Let me read for you three verses. And I'll tell you the verse that gave it out to me. So we're familiar with two verses. The first verse, 2.9. Besides this, God caused every tree beautiful to the sight and good for food to grow from the ground. Also in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of learning the knowledge of good and evil. I'm not talking about the, 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 the trees now. It's an, another topic that relates to salvation. <clears throat> I'm going to read another verse. And, let me, and I want you to, come, to think together, what is the common word in the three verses? So here I'm going to read Genesis 2.9 again. So it is then the Lord God planted a garden in eastward in Eden, and there he put man he formed. 2.9, besides this, God caused every tree beautiful, to the sight and good for food to grow from the ground. Genesis 2 7, we're familiar with it. Then God formed man out of the dust from the ground and breathed in his face the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Genesis 2 19, that's Genesis 2 7. So 2 9, 2 7, 2 19, also God formed out of the ground all the wild animals of the field and all the birds of heaven and then brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. What is the common word in the three? Out of ground. Exactly. Out of what? What is special about this ground? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. What do we do in order to make a place inhabited by God in the New Testament? You know the word middashina? So the Lord, middashina means consecrated, consecrated by the Holy. These utensils, when you buy them from Maktab al-Mahabba or any place, you, or the altar, the holy board, you can buy any, any material. It doesn't get used in the church unless what? By the Holy Spirit. Mayroon. Wait a minute, I, I see this in the creation. The word ground, and that's why I mentioned the day one, day two, and day three. This ground was completely under that water. And this ground is the material, material of creation, which brought forth plants and dust of the ground, Adam. What gave it to me when I, when I read 219, and it says that the animals came out of the ground. Animals did not, come, of course, grow from the ground. But the material of the creation, you can relate probably that the, the common thing in the creation now is the DNA cell, or the DNA molecule, sorry, and it's in the plant, and it's in the animal, and it's in the, it's in the human. And in fact, the, the mapping between the DNA and the 20 amino acids is the same in the three. So this could be a nomenclature for, that's the material by which God brought every species in the, in the sequence that he 
<coughs> that he put in every molecule to bring its own according to its kind. But I don't want to into, into this direction. I just wanted to feel that Genesis, Genesis, and I'm going to relate this to St. Mary very soon. Genesis tells us that paradise was consecrated exactly as the bishop consecrates a place to be used for the liturgy. Is Genesis having the liturgy? Yes, it does, but I will leave this because I want to focus on the incarnation. But what I wanted to establish and was hard to infer, I hope we now acknowledge that Genesis 1, <clears throat> it's not only about the order of the creation as a very great manifestation of credibility of the Bible, but in order to tell us that the material from which every living thing came plants, animals, and humans, that material was consecrated by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Trinity is working each according to, to the hypostatic role of it to bring forth life. And it was culminated when it says, let us create man in our image and in our likeness. <clears throat> now, of course, in case of man, it's not only the material. So the Bible says here that... Then God formed man out of dust from the ground and breathed in his face the breath of life. And man became a living soul. So the material is the dust of the ground. Actually, St. John Chrysostom says, when it is to man dust of the ground in order to humble us more. We're not just the ground, we're the dust or nothing. Before God breathed in us, we were nothing in terms of any honor. What did the, here is the, another question, uh, in fact, to catch up about this uh, mist coming from the ground, it's in Genesis 2, where he focuses a little bit more on the, what happened between day, um, on day three. So <clears throat> there's certain zoom lenses that comes into different aspects of the creation. So the chapter one is like the, the abstract, and then it focuses more on one of the things that it focuses more on is this part about the, there was no rain coming on the ground. All of the irrigation of the ground was from water from within. And now we know that water was in the, the substance or the material. And I'm not making this up. I can read the verse. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. And that water is absorbed in the ground as the account of the creation tells us. And that's why this account of the creation became more and more important for us to understand. So verse two in chapter two, verse four in chapter two. This is the book of Genesis of heaven and earth. When they were made in the day, the Lord God made heaven and earth before any plant of the field was on earth. So the plants started appearing in day three. Let that earth bring forth every herb. Before any plant of the field was on the earth and before any herb of the field sprang up, for God had not sent rain on the earth and there was no man to till the ground, but a fountain. A fountain came up from the ground and watered the whole face of the earth. Then verse 7 is the creation of man. It's a question to us now, as we can see now the work of the Holy Spirit is like filling the whole creation. And then God grabs Grabs the. Sorry. That's sure. Is fountain is the same as mist? Because the, the, in some translation it is mist. But coming from the ground. From the earth, but mist. Now when it goes when it goes up, it makes this mist, but it's not rain. It's not coming from earth. It's coming from within. Mm -hmm. As in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit works in us 
فروم وزن من امن بي في ستقر من بطنه انهار ماء ايه ماء حي ذا وان هو بيليفز ان مي ويل ران اوت اوف هيز انتريلز ريفرز اوف ووتر اند سان جون سيز هي واز سينج ذس اباوت ذا هولي سبيريت اور اباوت ذا سبيريت بت ذا سبيريت واز نوت جيفن يت بيكوز هي واز نوت جلوريفايد يت جيسوس واز نوت كروسيفايد يت سو ذا سبيريت واز نوت جيفن يت ذس از جوينج تو بلاي رول هير ان سان ميري نيفر توكت اباوت سان ميري يت بت وي هاف تو وي هاف تو لينك ات ناو بيفور وي لينك ات I have a question for you. What did the breath of God in, in the dust of the earth do? You have a question before the answer? Yes. <laughs> so how about you answer and then we'll, we'll, we'll well, do the question. I don't understand how it would be. The question is like, so the Holy Spirit had consecrated the whole earth, and then because of the Holy Spirit can give life and earth, brought life of the animals and the plants, or the plants and the animals. The work of the creation, the whole, again, when I talk about the Holy Spirit, I'm not separating it from the Father and the Son. But each one has a role in, like, the Logos is the mind, the Father is the origin, but they are not separated when they work. It's the role of the Holy Spirit. So the Father and the Son are not sleeping around, and the Holy Spirit is working. It's the whole, like, as man does something, as you do something, you solve mathematics, for example, you use your mind in it, but your spirit is alive and you're, you're there, existing. So it's not like, but the, the, the focus of the role, like the role of the Holy Spirit is the dedication, the consecration. And we, we, we see this in the sacraments when we call upon the Holy Spirit to come and consecrate the material. So the Father and the Son are part of it. That is now the breath of life that you're, you're saying. No, that's not yet. Okay. So that's my question now. Okay. Yeah. When God breathed in Adam, what did he give him? What did that breath do? So did the breath give him the soul or the breath give him the Holy Spirit? Let's read St. Cyril. St. Cyril is commenting on John 14.10. This is John 14.10. And he says the following. We must repeat this once again and say that no one I imagine rightly minded would suppose that the breath which proceeded from the divine essence became the creature's soul. Means this is crazy. If you assume that God breathing is giving the soul, that is, that is wrong. What is it then? But, but here is the answer. But that after the creation wasn't sold, sorry, after the creature wasn't sold, or rather had attained unto the proprietary of its perfect nature by means of both soul and body to it. Then, like a stamp of his own nature, the creator impressed on it, the Holy Spirit, the breath of life. So when God breathed in Adam, he gave him the Holy Spirit. And this answers the theistic evolution because, in fact, Francis Collins did the Genome Project. This is, I don't want to switch gears much, but it's promoting by an by in, um, institution here called Biologos that God breathed in a creature and that became man. We refuse this in the church. We don't believe in theistic. It means that evolution is there and there was a creature very close to man's structure and God breathed in that creature, creature and it became Adam. That is refused. It's from dust of the ground, body and soul, and God breathed in him the Holy Spirit. Even if it's similar to any other animal in shape, it doesn't matter the overlay of the DNA between them. 
but it is completely from the beginning dust of the earth, body and soul, breath of the Holy Spirit. How can you prove that the breath of God gives the Holy Spirit? We need a biblical reference where when God breathes, he gives the Holy Spirit. But, but the, the, the history of the human being since Adam, it is only 5,000 years, so uh, how come only the whole human beings have only 5,000 years on, on earth? So, we can discuss this scientifically. Separately, I just want to focus on the Holy Spirit. Okay. So, let's get back to this. I should not, not lose the line of traction. We can discuss it differently after we finish in public. <laughs> but I need a proof, biblical proof, that when God breathes, he gives the Holy Spirit. Because it says he breathed in him. So now we established the work of the Holy Spirit on the material. Very clearly from Genesis. That water was covering the whole earth, got absorbed... That absorbed us from the evidence of Pangea. There's this clear scientific evidence that the continents were, were connecting to another and they separated. And that's very logical how this earth, where did it go? Because <clears throat> it was covering the earth. And there is in chapter 2, in order not to think too much about it, he said, in fact, yes, God caused water to come from within the ground to water. And then he started talking about the earth, dust of the ground, and plants from the ground, Genesis 2.7 is man, Genesis 2.9 is plant, Genesis 2.19 is animals. All the material for the creation is the ground. Okay, so, and then in order to focus more on man, we said that God breathed in the Holy Spirit, and of course is supported by the fathers, but we need a biblical support that the breath of God gives the Holy Spirit. We see this in a very clear verse in John 20. John 20 is the days of the resurrection. And God said, my peace I leave with you, when he appeared in their midst, the very same day of the creation, uh, sorry, of the resurrection. John 20, in the beginning, is St. Mary, and then seeing the Lord, thinking that he is the gardener, and then he appeared then later in the <clears throat> upper room, and he said, that, um, my peace I leave with you, what I have received from the Father I, I give you, and he breathed on them, and said what? This is 21 and 20. Receive the, the breath. The breath of God gives. So he, he told them, receive the Holy Spirit, but that's now the priesthood. You are now going to be restored to be working the priesthood. But you cannot function as priests till the church receives the Holy Spirit. So the, the disciples received the priesthood. I'm just getting into footnote here. Or a subroutine, if people like this language. We go into that the breath of God gave them the priesthood. The priesthood did not work in action till the church was instituted, which is in the Pentecost. So the high priest ordained his priests in John 20, and they started practicing the priesthood in Acts 2, when the Pentecost happened and the whole church, men and women, the 120 souls, including the disciples, received the Holy Spirit. Then the disciples had the, the priesthood from Christ and they practiced the priesthood. Christ, of course, is not there. He had, ascend, he, had had, he had had ascended 10 days before that event in the Feast of the Ascension. And now they are now doing what Christ told them in Luke 10. The one who hears you, hears me. 
the one who refuses you refuses me, and the one who refuses me refuses the one who sent me. So I am sending you as I was sent. We call Christ as one of the names Malak al-Ahad, or the messenger. And very, very nice. There is two messengers in Malachi chapter 3, where he talks about the messenger that's Christ and the messenger that's John the Baptist. In the very same verse. Okay, back here. So now we have established certain beautiful things in just the first two chapters in Genesis that the Holy Spirit sanctifies the material, that God took that material and breathed in Adam after ensouling him means that his body and soul, including, of course, the mind and the spirit, then he breathed in him and he made Adam carrying the Holy Spirit. And when Eve was created from him, has, she has the Holy Spirit as well, and that's why they were naked and were not ashamed because they were fully enjoying the gift of the Holy Spirit in them. In fact, when the fall happened, which is a separation from God, the Holy Spirit left them. The Holy Spirit left them. There is all, all of this it has biblical support. And one of the church fathers, Arabic church fathers, he writes in Arabic, Bulus al-Bushi in the 13th chapter. a I'm going to translate it. وَكَمَا أَنَّكْ رُوحَ اللَّهِ كَتْمَا الْإِنسَانِ كَذَلِكْ كَانَ كَلَامَهُ مَعْهُ أَوَّلًا فِي ذَوَاتِ الرُّوحِ فَعِنْدَ أَكْلِهِ مِنَ الشَّجْرَةِ نُزِعَ اللَّهِ مِنْهُ فِي ذَلِكَ الْوَقْتِ رُوحْ قُدْسِهِ وَفَرَّقْهَا مِنْ نَفْسِهِ فَعِنْدَ أَكْلَ آدَمْ مِنْ عُودُ الْمَعْصِيَةِ إِن when Adam and Eve, the, the translation of it, <clears throat> as, he, and as the Lord of God was with him, also was the commandment of God working through that spirit. When he had partaken of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil, the Holy Spirit departed from him. God separated from him. Adam separated from God. In the meantime, Ruh Qudsihi, his Holy Spirit, separated from him. So when Adam ate from the tree or the um, the, the, the palm of disobedience, because the act of sin is an act of corruption, is an act of death, because it's all separation from God. The Holy Spirit left him. So... They knew they were naked. So they were not covered before and they were stripped of their clothes. No, they were naked, but they were not ashamed. That's the last verse in chapter 2. <clears throat> when the fall happened in chapter 3, then the Holy Spirit departed. When the Holy Spirit departed, then that is Ismul Fasad. This is the corruption. This is the corruption. So let's think logically, Shway. The Lord Jesus Christ. Or God has to solve a مشكلة الفساد. الفساد إن الإنسان انفصل عن الله. الفساد هو الانفصال هو الموت هو الخطية هو كل. This is all different angles of the same thing. أساسها الانفصال عن الله. الله حياة. God is life. So separation from Him is death. God is light. Separation from Him is darkness. So God wants to unite with us. عشان كده 
the whole goal, we call it any problem-solution approach, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. If the problem is separation, then the solution has to be union, which is this communion. But to get to it, yes, but work has to be done by God. Grace. Grace means a free gift you receive. You cannot do it on your own. So when Christ took flesh from St. Mary, how can God take flesh from St. Mary? And I'm going to ask you a question about St. Mary. Is St. Mary corrupted or not? Absolutely. How can God take a human nature from a corrupted human? Corrupted not as behavior. St. Mary is perfect as behavior, but his nature is what? It's corrupted. How? <laughs> the problem of corruption was not solved yet. How is St. Mary born without corruption? How? So how is, here, here is the question, or punchline, how is St. Mary corrupted? And she's born by reproduction like any other human. And God will take the human nature, the full human nature for her, from her, and makes it his own without mingling, without confusion, without alteration. So the one who's born from St. Mary is a compound nature, meathesis, God in the flesh. How did that happen? Do you understand the question? Is the question clear? The Holy Spirit. It's, it's clear now. So that's why I had to give this introduction. But the Holy Spirit, Amarif Samiri, consecrated her. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm not making this up because it's where in Genesis. And we have Genesis 1 and 2 is the reference we go back to because. This is what God brought us into, restored us, restored him to his first state. So the Holy Spirit, in the creed and in the liturgy, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and Samiri. Always the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit consecrated Samiri so that when God takes the human nature from her, this is by the mystery of great is the mystery of salvation. God appeared in the flesh. That human nature is what is not corrupted. But the Holy Spirit knows. And that's why when you are not corrupted, by dying and resurrecting with Christ, that's why he had to come first and die and resurrect, so that when you die and resurrect, you die with him and resurrect with him, now you are a new creation. You're not a Christian yet. You cannot take communion yet. You cannot unite with him yet. But you're now eligible to be a vessel for the Holy Spirit, and that's why the sacrament after this is consecration or chrismation or a tasbit sealing, and the Holy Spirit dwells in you, and now you are eligible because you're now one with God. He dwells in you exactly as he dwelled in Adam. Then you can approach and be one with the Son, and then you can call the Father of the Son as your Father. So this work with the Holy Trinity. You are a vessel for the Holy Spirit, temple of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 6.19. The one who eats my body and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him, John 6.56. And then you can call the Father of the Son, who is the Father of the Son by nature, 
and to you by adoption. You got adopted to him by the Holy Spirit. Now you can pray our Father who art in heaven. That's why the catechumens are not eligible to pray our Father who art in heaven because they are not yet able to call the Father as their Father. We can as, as united with God. So we work with the Holy Trinity, not one element only or not one hypostasis only. <clears throat> okay. The Son Mary, when she had the Holy Spirit come upon her, this is for research, yeah. don't quote me on it. There's some thinking about it, and since you're all grown up, Senna, don't get shaken in your face. But let's think about it. Did the Holy Spirit stay in St. Mary, or he left her? I'm voting. <laughs> Was St. Mary saved by giving birth to Christ, or St. Mary needed salvation? Okay. So, did the Holy Spirit dwell in her by giving birth to Christ or not? Now, we, we, we found the point in the Holy Spirit, the Archangel Michael. Now we understand why. You know, this phrase is a key. Now, after giving birth to Christ, is the Holy Spirit still with St. Mary? Sorry, in St. Mary? Did he come in? Did he come upon? Actually, there was a similar question I was about. Tell me the whole answer. I didn't miss my yeah. question. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I don't think uh, the Holy Spirit doing at that time. Tell me, I didn't have a think. I didn't for sure. I didn't evidence. No, wouldn't. We understand that the Holy Spirit is the one who made. The difference between. When the Holy Spirit. Came to St. Mary to, for certain purposes of the, the birth of, of God and other purposes of, for, of the Holy Spirit coming to everybody. Like when the Holy Spirit came to Adam, that was a, 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 it was not the same as the Holy Spirit came and dwelled in uh, St. Mary. Right. Okay, so good. This is the difference. We need, we need to... Okay, so the Holy Spirit can come on a person. There's a difference between two things. The Holy Spirit coming on the person and the Holy Spirit dwelling in the person. Al-Halul was sukun. Can you see the difference here? So, fee evidence and the Holy Spirit can come upon a person without dwelling in the person? Yeah. Where? Exactly. All the Old Testament. Shamshun, every time he did a supernatural power thing, it's like verse Shamshun. So I'm just trying to clarify here a point to ponder upon. And the and the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. So, St. Mary, I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit left or not, as much as stick to the words of the Bible. But definitely, St. Mary cannot be a temple for the Holy Spirit because we know the Holy Spirit can be only sent after what? After the resurrection. Logically. لأنه the Holy Spirit to live in us, we have to be 
a new creation. We cannot be a new creation unless we do what? Die and resurrect. Yeah, but the resurrection has to happen. It's very, our faith is so logical. It, it's so lovely because it makes sense. There is no contradiction between reason and faith. There is contradiction between where the mind stops, how can the bread and the wine become body and blood? But there is reason to understand how the communion has to be the real body and blood of Christ, not a symbol of it. How it happens, that's beyond, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. But it must be the body and blood of Christ because how can we unite with the symbol of Christ? How can he says the one who eats my body and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him, it would be a symbol. In fact, to answer anybody that says, how can we eat a person? The same question came in John 6, 52. I'm shifting gear a little bit. This was the question directly, direct to Christ by the Jews. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? That's John 6, 52. John 6, 53 says the following. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. John 6, 54 the one who eats my body and drinks my blood, I will raise him up at the last day. John 6.55, my flesh is real food, or food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. John 6.56, the one who eats my body and drinks my blood, what? Abides in me. Problem solved. Then remember what the problem was? Separation. And the solution is what? Union. How it is separation from God is the problem, and I unite with a symbol of him. Another part in John 6. Al-manna is what? Is a symbol. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. That's exactly actually John 6, 50, 40, I think 48. Most assuredly, I send to you, the one who believes in me has everlasting, has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. This is himself. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. That's John 6. 51. 52 is the question I just said. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? He didn't go back. And the, first, the four verses after this, this is the only way to unite with me. So it is reasonable. It's a sound argument. It's a valid argument. As the problem is separation, why is it separation? Because Genesis 3.22, behold, the man came like one of us. And one of us, this is, you find it in the writings of St. Severus of Antioch in the church in the 10th century. Behold, man became like one of us, so that lest he would live forever and, and extend his hand, God put him out of the paradise so that he would not be, he would be separated from the tree of life. So the separation from God made him not able to participate of the tree of life. So the incarnation for God to renew the human nature, he has to take the full human nature from a human. Where did we see before a human coming from a human? Exactly. Eve. Eve came from who? From Adam. 
God is capable to bring a human from a single human. We saw it in Eve. Ibrahim coming from a single human is not strange. It happened before. He came from Samaria. The birth of God from a single human must be God is the one who did it. It's him because no one can create from a single human except God. Yani God creates from dust of the earth. God creates from a human. Then he gives us the gift of creating, but we have to be, you have to have a helper. The helper of Eve is to tell Adam, you cannot have a children alone. Here is a, ch- a helper in this, in this gift of creation. I want you to create, Adam. I want, but you cannot do it alone. So here is somebody from you, the marriage, from him, that together you can bring forth, grow and multiply, which is in, first, in, in, in Genesis 1. So we see here different aspects. Saint Mary had to be had to be consecrated, or her her human nature had to be used by God in order to take from her the full human nature. Ashanel fallen Adam da in the second Adam. The comparison between the two is very clear in Romans five. The first Adam, so the first Adam sin came and reigned over us, sin and death and judgment, and then the second Adam brought the righteousness, and through him, it, it also came to all of us. And the other angle is that our Lord is born from a single person because he is able to do it because he did it before in Genesis. So now I want to just uh, make you love Genesis 1 and 2 very much. In it, we see so many things. This is just like small sample from it. But we, we can prove we can prove that St. Mary, although being born corrupted, the Lord can use that body, that soul, that mind, that human nature by the Holy Spirit, whatever the Holy Spirit did, to take from He was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and of the Virgin Mary. Of the Holy Spirit and of the Virgin Mary. But St. Mary needed the Holy Spirit to dwell in her. That happened when? When did St. Mary receive the Holy Spirit to dwell in her? Hmm. You know this answer. Where? To dwell. To dwell, doesn't leave her, stays in her. Exactly, the Pentecost. The gift of the Holy Spirit to live in a person permanently has to happen after the resurrection. After the resurrection. But God ordained the priests, the disciples, to be priests from his own mouth before. After the resurrection, but before the Pentecost. Because he has to be face and face with them. Breathe in them, receive the Holy Kahanot. And then the Kahanot or the priesthood came into action, came to work in the church after the church was founded. The church was founded not by a human. The church was founded by Christ. I will send you another comforter. He will be with you and then he will be in you. This is in John 14. Our faith makes perfect sense. And glory to God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God. Amen.